Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Masters Podcast. I have tried recording this episode a couple of times, and each time the kids start yelling and screaming or jumping up and down, I have one child that swears that jumping up and down helps them focus on their video game, especially during the fight scenes. And so I had gone through and I had listened to the episode that I recorded, and with all the pausing and all of the interruptions, it became very discombobulated whereby I would be on a path and I would be on a roll and then all of a sudden the dynamics changed because I had to pause and it really gets hard to get back into that mindset and keep the quality consistent and the thought process very consistent. And so I just want to put this note up front here that while I'll try to do my best to edit out all of the background noise, I may not get it all. And I would much rather have a podcast that is still consistent and flowing in the voice quality and in the rhythm than to have a discombobulated podcast. So a little bit of background noise you may hear. Now, if it gets really, really bad, I will have no choice but to pause it. And that's when you'll probably see a little bit of a difference in the tone or me ending up going a complete 180 on my thought process. We're all trying to deal with the fact that we're home all day, the kids are home all day, and there's nowhere to take them. All right, so with that said, being home all day every day has given me a lot more control over my daily schedule. And not having a day job to go into anymore, luckily I've been doing so much online over the years, whether that be building up eBay and Amazon or building up my various podcasts that I'm not as affected. And as I've had more time to build into all of this, I have been seeing growths in all of my shows. So this is almost like a blessing in disguise. And with that, I find myself working even harder than what I did when I was with a day job. Because I'm getting up still at 6 in the morning, and I'm working through until about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And throughout the entire day, I'm researching, I'm putting together shows, and I'm recording podcasts. One of them being a daily show, and then a couple of weekly shows. And I'm starting to do more and more with YouTube, creating the videos and uploading them. And so this is giving me a lot of... You know, time to work on my passion with everything that is going on. But with all of that said, I do make sure that I take a little bit of time out each and every day in order to relax. And with relaxing, I have been doing, well, some movie watching. Now, I am going to go through and figure that for a little bit of relaxation, I will get into the whole video games of at least live streaming video games. Because I've been doing video games since, well, middle school. And that was a couple of decades ago now. But I was going through and I was watching one of the movies. And it was called The Naked Gun. It's one of those slapstick comedies from the late 80s, early 90s era. And there was one scene that is perfect for what is going on right now. And that is, you know, he has his love interest. They're about ready to have sex. And she talks about, hey, I practice safe sex. And he goes, I do too. And then it cuts to the very next scene where they are in full body condom suits. Now, some of you are going out there thinking, yes, this makes sense. We got to be more cautious about our sex life during this time. 
And you're right, but there is a point where you can be overly cautious, such as that full body condom suit. And so here's what I'm going to say about protecting yourself and whether or not you should scale back your sex life. If you live together, you're married or you're just cohabitating, then there's no reason to scale back your sex life because you live in the same home. And therefore, if one of you gets it, it's most reasonably assured that the other one is going to get it. It's going to spread throughout the family with how contagious this is. And you can go a couple of weeks without showing any symptoms whatsoever while still being infectious. So your only option is to quarantine yourself into different rooms and never have sex during this time. But that doesn't work if you have kids. So I'm just going to go off and say, if you're living together, cohabitating together, or quarantined each other um, together, maybe you've used this quarantine time as a way to test out living together. There is no reason to scale back your sex life. However, if you're not living together, then this does create a little bit of a risk. Now, first off, if you're not living together and you're in certain areas with stay-at-home orders, you're not able to visit each other anyways, in which case your battery-operated toys are getting a lot of use. They're your new boyfriend, your new go-to person whenever you need a little bit of a release. Now, if you're still able to travel together, you're going to have to be courteous and restrict your movements and take all precautions because you don't want to get infected and then have your significant other come over and then infect them because you're not able to do the quarantine together. And I get it. You're saying, well, you know, my job is essential or, you know, and I got to go off and still go to work and I'm spreading the risk to the rest of my family. And yes, I get it. That is a, a concern. But again, if you're living together, that's going to happen anyways. It's only when you're not living together that you should possibly consider, based off of what's going on between quarantines, whether you're an essential worker and all of that, that you should be more cautious with your sex life. Now, for those of you who do live together, you may be finding out that you're getting a little bored with your sex life because you've increased your sexual activity. And the things that you have that you used in order to spice things up, you've had to use it a lot more often than you have in the past. And therefore, it's getting a little boring. It's getting a little too routine. But what do you do? You can't exactly go down to the sex stores, can you? No, they were deemed non-essential. And so they are closed right now so that you can't go out and add anything further to the bedroom. Well, this is where you got to start being creative. And the moment I say you got to start being creative, I can tell right now that I need to tell you guys to, you know, at least think it through before you start engaging in your creativity. Because yes, guys like to build things or guys will just grab things and go, hey, I wonder how this will work without putting anything through uh, as far as how it's all going to work out. And it can lead to a complete disaster. For instance, let's say you're the type of woman who likes nipple clamps. And your current nipple clamps aren't doing the job for you. And you would normally go off and maybe buy a different nipple clamp that has a little bit of a different texture or a little bit of a different tension. 
and all of that. Well, a guy may go through and go, hey, I got an idea. I'll use clothespins. Guys, be careful. Don't just slap on a bunch of clothespins onto her nipples and go just as good because nipple clamps that you buy, while they're able to provide you different feelings and all that, you can adjust the tension. But a clothespin is pretty much a one-size-fits-all on the tension and how hard it's going to pinch. And she may need some time to adjust, you know, putting them on slowly, and they may be a little painful at first, whereas you are going to go off and think, well, nipple clamp, nipple clamp, and just, boom, put them on fast and start having at it. No, 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 no. You got to be gentle with this. And you can't just go off and go downstairs and build something up real quick and expect her to be okay with that. But there are some things that you can substitute if you want to add in everyday items to your BDSM routine. For instance, rope. Rope is great for tying down. Now, if you don't have, you know, rope, you could probably use like a jump rope to tie down with and maybe find different places to tie down. Like you can tie your guy, women, you can tie your guy down into a chair and then you have full control over him, the pace, how much teasing to do. And he won't be able to go through and grab for you to go faster. He won't be able to grab the back of your head and try and push you down up and down faster and all of that, which by the way, guys, just a quick note here. If she is being very generous and she is giving you a blowjob, don't be an asshole about it. Don't be grabbing her hair and acting like they're handlebars. I mean, I get the comedy if you are into comedy sex, but be nice to her. Let her work it the way she likes to work it and only give her some verbal cues. You grabbing the back of her head and trying to get her all the way down so that she chokes on it is not exactly the best idea. In fact, that will lead to her giving you less blowjobs. So just be a little courteous about that. Now, women, you can tie him down to a chair. And when you do, you can make sure to tie his arms down so he can't do that. And then you're in full control. And it's amazing how this doesn't work in reverse as far as guys being able to tie a woman down into a chair because of the way our genitalias are different. And so if you tie a woman down to a chair, you can't really do a whole lot, you know, and teasing her clit or having sex with her down there. You know, she kind of needs to be tied down to a bed with something that keeps her legs apart in order to really enjoy the domination of BDSM. But there are other items that you can use around the house other than a jump rope or a regular rope. Now you can get into gagging, but here's the thing. If you are into that type of thing, there are certain things that you can substitute and certain things that you can't. So women, if you're going to go off and try and find a substitute to cover your guy's mouth with, do not use duct tape. And for the love of God, do not use gorilla tape, especially if he has not shaven. Because afterwards, he's going to be in a lot of pain as he tries to get that off of his face. And I get what you're saying, women. You're going, well, what's the big deal? We get bikini waxes. You know, we have someone put wax down there on our pubic hairs right above our vagina. They throw on some tape and just rip away. 
The things that some of you women go through in order to meet society's standard of beauty and expectation is really extreme in some cases that you put yourself through a lot of physical pain in order to look a certain way. And as I think about that, I wonder how bikini waxes became popular or became accepted by women as something that you just must go through. I mean, I I get how shaving all started and thank God for that because a nice, silky, smooth legs is a lot more attractive than hairy, rough legs. But the bikini wax, just ripping the hair out? Jeepers, how the heck did that ever get started and last as long as it has? Now, other BDSM items is, in replacement of a spanker, you can use a spatula. Now, be careful when you do this. Make sure that you not only have washed it, but you wipe it down with some antibacterial wipe, and you can go through and use it as a spanker. Now, when you first start using spatulas and other things to substitute for BDSM, it is natural that you can find it awkward and find it funny. But also make sure that when you're done with the item, you wash it again. You don't just put it back going, well, it was just spanking the outside of her butt. It didn't really get dirty. No, no, no. It got dirty. You wash it again before you start using it to flip burgers or whatever else that you want to cook with. Now, maybe some of you are into all that extra flavoring, but you know, let's try to keep it very hygienic here. And you can use other kitchen utensils, you know, roller pens and all of that. Just look around the house and think of new creative ways in which you can go about using the items in order to spice up your sex life. And while guys may be able to naturally get their mindset to that, women you may have to keep an open mind and be willing to experiment or see how something works. But this is where you women will have the perfect excuse or opportunity to allow your mind to go into the gutter. And I get it. Some women are just not willing to speak up or you know, really share when their mind goes into the gutter exactly what ideas that they are coming up with. And I can tell you from experience, You women, when your mind goes into a gutter, it's just as filthy and just as naughty as any guy. And with everything the way it is right now, it doesn't need to always be romantic. It doesn't always need to be passionate. It doesn't always need to be about the pleasure itself. This is the time when you have the perfect excuse because of boredom to just have sex just for the fun of it just to occupy time, to just let your imagination go, to just let your dirty mind roam free in order to try and fill up all of the available time that you find yourself having these days. Now, if you want to be able to find a way to incorporate this fun with healthy living, then as far as the whole quarantine and the stay-at-home orders, some of you may be in a situation where you're concerned whether or not you'll be beach body ready. Well, here's the perfect time and the perfect excuse to use sex as exercise. And we call it sexercise, where you start researching what positions during sex works what part of your body and your muscles so that you can just go out and fuck your way to a beach body, right? Because 
let's face it, just going out and exercising is not fun. Exercising itself is not fun. Now, it may relieve stress and help you get through the time, but in general, exercise is not all that fun. But if you can get your exercise during sex, woo, you're going to get into beach body condition. And guess what? You can let your guy get some sex exercise. You know, is he starting to get that little spare tire around the waist? Well, here you go. You got nothing else to do. So just let your imagination run wild. So since the last episode where I answered a listener question, and it was popular. People had sent me some emails, providing me some great feedback. I thought I would go out there and try and research what some of the top questions are that people have regarding their relationship and provide you answers. Now, these questions, they have answers from experts. And I could go off and say, here's what the expert says and here's what my advice says. But that seems like it would be more of a pissing contest, trying to build up my bona fides as being better than the other experts. Now, as I stated, this show is you ask me questions or I go through and I take a look at questions regarding sex or, you know, what's going on in relationships. And I just provide you my unfiltered opinion. So I'm not going to do the pissing contest of comparing my answers to the experts and trying to say why my answers are so much better. I'm just going to go through and have the top questions that are asked and then just provide you the answer and skip all the fluff in between. So the first question here goes off and it asks, I'm in a long-term relationship and it feels like my partner never makes time for me anymore. What do I do? Okay, now first off, you got to try and assess the situation here. Yes, once you are in a relationship, longer it goes, the less time that you're going to have for each other. Because it's easy in the beginning for you to want to dedicate all your time to your partner because it's new and it's exciting and all of that. But at some point, you got to realize that there are other focuses in life, such as, hey, your partner you know, is probably trying to focus on their career in order to be able to provide you with a nice home, be able to provide for the kids, being able to save up for retirement. And that's going to take some of the focus away. And so if you're going off and saying, it feels like my partner never makes time for me anymore. Well, then you really need to go through and assess. Is it that they actually never make time for you? Or is it because as time has gone on, the prioritization of giving you all of their time has scaled back as they go through and they try to focus on other areas of their life. Because when you're going off and you're trying to build a life and you're trying to build your future, you can't just have a narrow-minded focus on just your relationship. It, it, it won't work. You'll never reach your destination. And so, yes, it is important that you still maintain some time together and being able to work on your relationship. But at the same time, of course, the longer you're in a relationship, the more often that they are going to start focusing on other aspects of their life. And so now you need to start thinking about this in terms of, is this actually a reasonable reduction in time spent with you to focus on a holistic view of life? Or is this that you are, in fact, being ignored? And if this is about them wanting to go through and focus on 
their career, or heck, maybe they got a project going on at work that can make or break their career, and the lack of time for you could just be a short-term thing. Can you handle you know, one, two, or three months where they're not spending as much time with you, but the end result is they get a promotion, it comes with a nice bump in pay, and able to provide you with a better life? So you got to take a look at whether this is a short-term reduction in time for you or a long-term reduction in time for you, and whether that reduction in time for you is based off of getting too complacent and taking you for granted versus they got other parts of their life that they need to actually be working on. Now, this question comes from someone who isn't married. Now, as you're married, you start divvying it up uh, a little bit more between trying to balance out, you know, career and balance out your home life. And this whole balancing thing, people need to get an understanding of it because there is no such thing as perfect harmony and balance at all the time. It's a bit of a give and take. So when we talk about balancing, we talk about, at least from my perspective, I talk about, you know, you will go off and you will focus lightning on this particular thing for a little bit you know, like your career, and then you'll ease off of that for a little bit and spend, you know, some days or weeks focusing on your family because you're not going to be able to get anywhere if you try to divvy up equal time every single day for every person in your life or between your career and your spouse. So there's going to be that give and take where you're going to have to allow some lightning focus on a career or building of a home-based business. And then after some time goes on, they will be able to pull back from that as everything is built, infrastructure is created, they got a flow, or that thing at work has come to an end. And so now there's some downtime and then can focus on you. Right? So balancing between home and work is going to look different for everybody. But there's not going to be a balance every day or a balance every week whereby you go, okay, during this part of the day, I focus on career. During this part of the day, I focus on my partner. No, 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 no. That will get you nowhere except for having one person extremely frustrated. And so when it comes down to the part where your partner just doesn't have time for you anymore, you got to take a look at what else is going on what is needing to be done, and what is the time frame before they switch back and they're balancing out their life to focus on you. And this is really about the only way that you can really have that balance. Everyone who tries to achieve perfect harmony just ends up frustrated and pissed off. Another way of saying this is multitasking is a scam. Guess what? Humans are not computers. We do not really have the ability to multitask. What we do and what we call multitasking is just a series of single tasking and switching single tasks as quickly as possible. And so if you're going off, well, part of balancing is finding a way to multitask. No, multitask is a scam. And so the whole reduction in time for you is because they only have the ability to focus on a singular task at a time in trying to build out their life. Okay, so another question here. I am scared to talk to my partner about money. What is the best way to do it? 
Well, there are a couple of ways in which you can bring this up. And you're not going to be able to talk about money without talking about money. And so one of the things that you can do, and this would be one of my highest recommendations, is that you maybe go to a bookstore or go online in this particular uh, day and age because you can't go to a bookstore. But go to a bookstore, buy one of Dave Ramsey's books, and then bring it home and go, hey, honey, I want to read this together. Or maybe you go off and you find one of Dave Ramsey's DVD sets for his Financial Peace University and just go, hey, I thought we could watch this together and everything. But just start going off and letting them know that you want to talk about money. And maybe one of the best ways to go about it is not do the whole direct, hey, honey, our finances suck. Let's get a jump on that. But at first, start creating a dream. Start asking questions. Hey, if we had the money to just go anywhere we want for a while, where would we want to go? Or, hey, what would you want to do uh, for a vacation? Or can you imagine how much money we would have if we didn't have debt? You start asking probing questions and get them imagining uh, about it. And then go, hey, you know, we're never going to get there to this vision unless we're intentional with our money. Therefore, we need to start putting together a bit of a financial plan. And no, this is not a seminar or you know a summit. No, no. We just need to come together, take a look at you know our expenses and some areas where we can scale back to save up some money or to get out of debt so that we can free up some money and just live by that budget. And when we do a budget, how intense we go about it will have to be an agreement that we both have balancing out our different desires and wishes, and then just stick to that budget. This is going to be hard to change some people's financial behaviors, but if you can get them dreaming about what the future would look like if you didn't have debt or if you had more money to save up to enjoy different parts of life, that is the best way to get started. Just start with imagination of how life could be, not just, hey, you're spending too much. I'm going to whack you over the head like a scolded dog until you stop spending money. (laughs) That won't get you very far. All right, another question here. I think my partner may be cheating on me. What should I do? Okay, first question. Are you sure this isn't about your own insecurities? You know, some of you women are so insecure that you think any moment that the guy is not with you, that he may be cheating on you. Okay, but there are plenty of instances in which one person is cheating. And you got to start figuring out how to deal with that. Now, you don't just go off and make the blanket accusation because you don't have proof. The person will lie and the person will try and cover up their tracks a little bit better so that it's not so obvious. You know, things like changing their passwords, things like, you know, not checking in, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to be in a, you know, doing this and my phone's going to be off, you know, whatever. Now, some of them may be sly and send you a text message just before they're about to get it on with the other person or call you just before they get to their house, just kind of check in, see how everything's going, and then talk to you about, oh, man, I'm just loaded with work. Right? 
So one of the things that you can do, and this is one of those underhanded things, is you can just get a GPS tracker. I mean, you can't put it on their phone because they're going to have their password changed and locked so that you're not able to see the text messages from the girl that they have on the side. But one of the advantages you do have is that guys like their routines, right? So if they're cheating on you, chances are they're cheating on you the same days of the week, the same nights of the week, and they'll go to about the same location. And so you can use the fact that they are very much into their routines. And this is something that is natural habit for guys having a routine. And so it becomes very predictable. It's about how most guys get caught is because they get into their routines. The routines get suspicious. Something tips off the woman that the routine uh, that is being displayed is a lie. And so she's able to catch him because it's the same day of the week that he goes off and cheats. But some guys are a little bit slyer than that and figure out a way to kind of rotate it. And if you pay attention, that that rotation is even a schedule. Like, you know, it will be every other third week, it's on a Tuesday. Every other third week, it's on a Thursday. And every other third week, it's on a Wednesday. You know, just trying to go through and you see that rotation of them having an excuse of why they're going to be late coming home. And you see that as a rotation, you can start building up a pattern so that you can see if he is cheating, which night of the week is he cheating on during which week? What does that rotation look like? And then you can go off and plan what it is you're going to do. Like, for instance, you can buy a GPS tracker. Now, as I stated, this is not something you put on their phone. This is a physical device that you can put in the car. Now, you could put it into the trunk of the car next to the spare tire. Now, you don't want to keep it there all the time. So maybe you figure out which days of the week and what the rotation is for the week in order to determine, you know, when is the best days to put the tracker in the vehicle. You know, like, for instance, you wait until he goes to bed, you go out, you open the trunk, you dig in find out where the spare tire is, and then put the tracker there. Fully charged will last a couple of days. And then as the day goes on, you're able to see their movements, where they go to, and you'd be able to tell whether they go to a hotel room, whether he goes to a hotel room, or if while he's claiming to be at work, he's at this residential house. Now, be careful, women, because this GPS tracker doesn't mean that he is cheating if he's at a residential house. Maybe he's lying to you because he doesn't feel like he's able to get out of the house to spend time with the boys. So let's say you're a very needy person time-wise, and the only way they can go get out of the house, your guy, in order to spend time with his friends and maybe have a poker night, is that he has to lie to you, which is pretty sad if that is the particular case. If he has to lie to you in order to hang out with his guy friends for a poker night. So you can't just go off and accuse him of cheating going, you weren't where you said you were going to be. You know, therefore you were cheating. No, no, no. It takes a little bit more than just figuring out, you know, what, where he was really at. You need to be able to figure out what he was doing. But. If you notice that on the nights when he's not coming home, he's going to the same house, 
Well, then you know where to go and how to check up on what he's doing. And so maybe you get like binoculars or, you know, something to that effect. And when he is at that particular house, you can look through. Now, if you see through that window that he is at a poker table playing cards with his friends, then that will be a cue for you to maybe rethink how needy you are and wonder why it is he has to lie in order to get out with his friends and play cards. But if you see that it's just him and another woman, and then you can start seeing them getting physically close, bam, you have indication or solid proof that he was cheating on you. But you're only going to get the location of where he goes to cheat on you by lowjacking essentially his vehicle. And only do that on the nights when you know that he is going to be away. So the night before you put in the lowjack and then afterwards you get it back because you don't want to keep it on the vehicle because he may come across it. If he gets a flat tire and this is a risk, he may get a flat tire and find the lowjack. Or, you know, if you just leave it on all the time, all day, every day, and you just have it as a magnet under the vehicle, well, it could be lost just going down the road. You know, it hit a stick or hit something and become dislodged, and boom, you lose your tracking data and your tracker. So just be cautious about that and really just try and figure out what the truth is. And maybe you find out that the truth is he's buried at work, and so when you're going off and thinking that he's cheating on you, He really is at work, you know, really just digging through everything that needs to be done. And he's not checking in with you because checking in means that he's taking time away from his work and therefore it's going to keep him there longer and he's not going to be able to get out and back home to you as soon as he actually wants to. So these are some of the scenarios that you may come across just try and find some actual hardcore proof because if you make an accusation and your accusation is actually wrong, you just created some major conflict and he's going to start wondering why it is you don't trust him because a lot of times when someone accuses someone of cheating who isn't actually cheating, one of the reasons why they accuse them is because the person making the accusation is also a cheater and if they cheat, They believe how easy it is for other people to cheat. All right, the next question here. I've asked my partner to change a couple of things about his behavior, like how he parties a lot, but he hasn't stopped any of them. I know he really loves me, so why won't he change? Well, here's a question. Why do you want him to change? What was wrong with him? You know, this is one of those things that always confuses me. When people get into a relationship, they're so in love with the person, but they want them to change. Well, if you want them to change, what are you in love with exactly? Because obviously, if you want them to change, you don't like or are happy with who he is. Or you're going, well, you know, I I like the majority of who he is, but I just want him to change these few things. Well, guess what? In a relationship, you have to deal with the flaws as well as the things that you like. Nobody is going to be able to go through and meet 100% of your your expectations of who the perfect person is. So if you're in a relationship, don't be out there with the goal of changing him, changing his behavior. 
he will change over time as he gets older, as life experiences teaches him certain things. But you going off and wanting him to change just so that he meets your expectations of how he should be is wrong. Just like him going through and after starting to date you for a while, wanting to change everything about you, change your clothing style, change the type of underwear you wear, change your makeup, change how much you flaunt your breasts. I mean, do you really understand how bad it is that you get into a relationship and just expect that you're going to change the person to meet your ideals rather than loving them for who they are? And if you don't love them for who they are, then what the hell are you doing wasting your time in that relationship? All right, next question is, I find myself getting crazy jealous when my partner talks to another woman. Even though I know it's nothing, how do I stop? Get over yourself. Start dealing with your own insecurities. Why is it that you do not have all that much trust? So let's actually break this down. Jealousy. It's probably because there is some hidden desire that you have for another person. And this gets into the issue of cheating and making an accusation, even if the person that you're accusing of cheating isn't cheating, is because this is more about you and distrusting yourself. Because this is a situation where you're uncomfortable or you're not confident in your relationship because you have thoughts. You have thoughts about other people. You have unexpressed desires, and therefore you're projecting onto him your own guilt. So you're thinking that since if you're talking to someone that you're attracted to them and have sexual fantasies, that him talking to another woman equals the same thing, or you're buying into some type of stereotype. So how do you stop being crazy jealous? Analyze yourself. Analyze what it is that's causing you to be jealous, such as your own insecurities, such as your own impure thoughts and your own guilt over the things that you have done in your own past. Maybe one of the issues is that you were unfaithful to a person in the past, and now you're afraid of karma coming back and hitting you, and that is the source of your jealousy. Another thing to take a look at is how long has he known this other woman? If this woman is a friend of his, and they were friends before you even started dating, then you have to realize that there really isn't anything to worry about here. Because if they had any sexual interest in each other or romantic interest in each other, they knew each other before you met him, and they would have hooked up and jumped each other's bones, and they would be the ones dating each other rather than him dating you. If it's someone that he met after he met you, right? Which, as a person gets older, it's harder to make friends of the opposite sex. I mean, let's just be honest, because our friends uh, start to contract a little bit because we're not casting as wide of a net to network in order to find who our mate is going to be. But in any event, you know, if he makes friends with another woman afterwards, you got to understand that there are some women out there who are, well, tomboys, uh, should we say, you know, who are out there and able to think like a guy, have some of the same interests. Maybe they have an interest in vehicles. Maybe they have an interest, and I get it, that can be scary, them having the same interest in some guy thing like hunting or 
mechanics or building something or sports, and you don't have that interest. But this is you're feeling threatened. And so if it's not a situation of you feeling that karma is going to come back and bite you in the butt, and it's not a situation of you believing that just because you have thoughts and desires that he would have thoughts and desires, then the third option as far as why you are feeling jealous about him talking with other women is because you feel like you're not investing enough in the relationship. If his commonality with these other women center around sports, then you feel like you're not taking the effort to take enough interest in the things that he likes, and therefore your jealousy is about you knowing deep down that you've left your relationship vulnerable in a certain way, and you just haven't quite thought about it or processed that vulnerability. And so now, if that is the case, you got to figure out what it is they talk about. If they talk about sports, then maybe you need to go through and get interested in some sports so you have a common interest with your husband. Because I get it, common interest can lead to infidelity. If it's an issue about cars, then maybe you try and figure out a way to learn a thing or two about cars so that you and him can have a shared interest or, you know, helping out with building. I mean, you don't need to be a girly girl all the time worried about fashion and makeup and all that. When guys are in a relationship, while initially it starts off with the idea of attraction and beauty and sex, the secret to a long-term relationship that is successful is that you got to be friends as well as lovers. People that like to actually hang out with each other and have common interests. You can't have a long-term relationship that is based solely on sex. So you need to go through and check your jealousy and realize that if it's not infidelity or impurity on your thought on or on your part projected onto him, then it's because you know that you're not taking enough interest in his life and leaving it open for another woman to build a connection with him. So that's how I would handle your own jealousy is analyze what you can do to strengthen your bonds and your connections. All right, so these next set of relationship questions are for both married and individual people, a mixture of them. All right, so let's get into one of the common questions when you're still dating pre-marriage. Why is he not calling me back? You ever have this question when Ladies, you're dating a guy, you go out on the first date or you meet a guy and you give him his number and he's not giving you a call and you're sitting around frustrated going, why isn't he calling me? And you're checking your phone about every two minutes and you think that the reason he's not calling you is because he doesn't like you enough. This is what some people will go out there and give you advice on. Oh, he doesn't like you enough. He's not that into you. He's busy. You know, they come up with these things that if he really liked you, he would have been calling you by now. And therefore, his lack of calling you is due to a lack of interest. Well, that's not always true, ladies. And let me give you an insight here. Because I still remember when I was single and dating around, and I would get a girl's phone number. And then it would take me some time to work up the courage to give her a call. Even if we've had already been on a first date, 
It may take me some time to work up the courage to give that first call. Plus, it takes time to figure out the opening line. You know, trying to, you know, be impressive or try to be smooth and try to be a little coy at time. And so the reason why he may not be giving you a call back, at least as fast as you would like while you're agonizing, looking at your phone, trying to figure out why doesn't he like me enough to give me a call that was the date not good enough? No, no, no. Now, that could be a possibility. The other possibility is he's with his friends and they're trying to come up with a way to impress you over the phone call. You know, whether he should go with a smooth talker, try to be original and funny, try and figure out what his opening line and opening move is. And he's going off and he's rehearsing that because you may, may be in a situation where he really, really likes you and he's afraid of screwing things up. And that he goes through and after he rehearses a little bit, he starts second guessing himself and going, no, 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 that's not clever. That's stupid. She, you know, she would not be impressed by that. She would not, you know, find that, you know, cute and adorable. No, no, no. I need to figure this out. And so part of it is he really likes you. He's really nervous and he can't figure out the way to open up a conversation with you that is going to be good, and it doesn't make him sound like a complete dork or an idiot. All right, so just to let you know, if he's not calling you back right away, while, yes, it could be that he's not that into you, it could also be that he really is into you, and he's fretting over his opening line. So one of the best things that you can do is just give him a call. Yes, guess what? It is perfectly acceptable for you women out there when you first start dating a guy to be able to give him a call with an you know, appropriate amount of time, that is. You know, don't go off and try and call him the very next day and going, hey, I was thinking of you. No, no, go by what I would call the 72-hour rule, you know, because you don't want to come off as overly clingy and needy and drive them away by making them think that dating you would mean that you're going to dominate every aspect of his life. No, no, no. Give it about 72 hours after the first date before you give him a call and be willing to ask him if he wants to go on another date. Maybe, you know, he's, you know, going to be going off and being relieved by that because now he doesn't have to try and figure out how to be clever, funny, and charming as he gives you a call, as he frets over that. All right, so another question. He's not, why is he not returning the favor? Well, this gets down to two things. Either he is selfish and doesn't care and thus doesn't consider you a long-term person, or he doesn't know what triggers you. Guess what, women? You're all different. The moves and Everything that triggers one girl's orgasm is completely ineffective on another woman. So this is where you just need to speak up and let him know what works best for you. Another question that people have when they're dating, why is he not saying, I love you back? Well, guys are not necessarily as emotional or emotionally connected 
as women. And so saying I love you can sometimes not dawn on a guy. And what I mean by that is they think that their actions speak louder than their words. And one of the things that is building up here is that it's kind of cliche for a guy to go off and just insincerely say the words I love you in order to try and get a woman into bed. And so he may have those feelings, but he doesn't want to say it right away because he wants you to know that when he does say it, you know that he means it and it's not just a ploy to get you into bed. And so what he's working on right here is building up you know, uh, what you call a portfolio of proof through his actions that demonstrate how much you mean to him so that when he does say it for the first time, you believe him and that you don't automatically respond, yeah, you're just trying to get in my pants. So that may be what is going on there. Now, if your question is, why is he playing video games all the time? Well, he needs something to do to relieve stress. If it wasn't video games, you'd be asking, why is he working on his car all the time? Or why is he trying to build something all the time? Or why is he just watching TV? Guess what? Everybody needs something to do to unwind. And so if he has a particularly stressful period in his life, he's going to engage in the activities that he finds to be relaxing. And that may be video games. And it may be whatever hobby that he has. Just understand that and be willing to maybe engage in that relaxing hobby. And that way you can you know, let him have his downtime while you still have your together time. Now, another question, whether you're married or single, that shows up in a top question is, why is he affectionate one moment and distant the next? Well, that's because men's brains and women's brains are different. Women, your emotions are connected to every aspect of your life. And that may be due to the difference uh, in the, uh, what is it called? The clossum callosum, you know, the part that connects the left and right part of the brain. For women, it is much thicker and therefore allows for more expanded communication uh, between the left and the right, the emotional versus the logical. For guys, not so much. And for guys, when we shift gears, we shift gears. So we can be very affectionate towards you one moment because you're our sole focus in that moment. But the moment we start thinking about something else that is going on, something that is going on at work, uh, an idea that we have, you know, one of those things, our mind completely switches gears and therefore our affectionate behavior, you know, just drops off like a dime because now our mind is fully focused on another thing. Or we may have just retreated back to our empty box where we just want to relax and basically just shut down for a little bit. And therefore we're not as affectionate. So, you know, it's part of the difference and, and that men are not emotionally connected to everything like women are. And so just understand that, you know, him being distant, you know, the very next moment is just because his brain has shifted because everything for a guy is compartmentalized. And so if he's not very affectionate, it's probably because his time with you has been used up 
because he has other things that he needs to get done. So understand that shift and understand that when it does come back to you, when he's done thinking about the other things, it's going to be affectionate again. You know, it's also kind of hard to be affectionate if you're trying to solve a problem because all of your focus is on what's the cause of the problem? What are the possible solutions? What are the, you know, pros and cons of that particular solution? It gets very hard to focus on, ooh, do I grab my wife's butt? When you're trying to focus on solving a problem or some other issue. Another question that will come up in a relationship is, why isn't he into cuddling after sex? Okay, I get it. You know, you women, again, you're emotionally connected to everything. You're very emotional beings. Guys only have a certain amount of emotions to expend each and every day. And sex uses up a lot of that emotion and a lot of that physicalness. And plus, afterwards, after we you know get off and everything, our body just completely relaxes and we end up spending a period of time in our empty box because, you know, we're just, you know, in a state of euphoria. We're just not thinking. We're not thinking. And cuddling involves an intentional, you know, act of, you know, actually cuddling. Plus, here's another thing that I want to bring up. And it's not just our emotions are spent and we're just not thinking about you or being considerate. It could also be because cuddling can sometimes be a little uncomfortable. For instance, if you're cuddling face to face, right? Maybe it's an issue where, you know, breathing on each other afterwards when you're trying to relax becomes a bit of an annoyance. So, you know, breathing heavily while you're engaged in sex is something that you don't necessarily, you know, notice or recognize, or there is some distance uh, between the two of you. You know, whether it's in doggy style, you on top, him on top, you're able to kind of, you know, point the, you know, breathing away. And so maybe it's an issue where he doesn't like to cuddle because, you know, being breathed on afterwards. But another issue is your hair. Yes, I'm talking about the hair on the top of your head. Because even if you're not facing, you know, each other, then what else? You know, you're laying down and he's, you know, rolled over with his arms around you, or he's laying down, you're rolled over with your arms around him, or, you know, you're snuggling uh, afterwards with your back towards him and his arm around you. In any way that you take a look at it, if you take a real examination of how you snuggle or cuddle after sex, you'll generally find that your hair is somewhere around his mouth. And he can end up getting some of your loose hairs or, you know, even not just your loose hair, but part of your hair ending up on his lips, his mouth and all that. And it's just really uncomfortable. He almost feels like he's suffocating a little bit. And, you know, it's just a bit of a situation where your free flowing hair just bugs his face and his mouth or tickles his nose as you're going through and cuddling. You know, especially, you know, with some of your hairs being so light that when he breathes in, it, that shift in the wind can suck in your hair. And I can tell you this from a guy's point of view that, you know, I don't, you know, generally cuddle with my wife after sex. A 
lot, and usually that's because doing so will end up in some way or form with her hair being right next to my mouth and me getting some of it into my mouth, and then I have to deal with that particular annoyance. So just try to analyze whether it's an issue of he doesn't want to cuddle because he's not being affectionate because his affection has all been spent during sex versus whether there's something about cuddling that provides an agitation towards him, something that, as a woman, you would not otherwise have thought of. Now, on this next question here, I actually like the answer that was provided. You know, why is he into porn? Am I not enough? Have you ever thought maybe it's not really about you? And I like the analogy that is given with this about, you know, that's like asking, why does he enjoy eating at restaurants? Is your cooking not good enough? Now, maybe for some of you women out there, because, you know, the feminist movement, you haven't learned how to cook. And so your cooking is pretty horrible, which may explain why there's such a shortage of toilet paper, because a lot of you are trying home cooking for the first time. But no, uh, porn is not really about you. It's about, you know, maybe he's trying to research in order to find ideas because he thinks that maybe you're getting bored in bed. And so now he's trying to get ideas of new things to try in order to spice things up and get you off. Or maybe it's just that, you know, he's just looking for a quick, you know, whack off because. You know, he can't concentrate, he's so horny, but he doesn't have time to jump uh, into bed because of all the things that need to get done. And so it's just about, you know, taking a look at, you know, what options there are for things to try that he hasn't already done and trying to figure out, you know, new things that may be able to work in triggering your orgasm, especially if you are a person who has a hard time orgasming. And especially if your sex life is usually you go into the bedroom, you have sex, he gets off, and then you grab a vibrator to finish yourself. If that is the case, then it's only understandable that he's going to be trying to do some research and look into other ways or other ideas of things that he would not have normally thought of in order to provide you the sexual gratification that he is, well, because you're not experiencing, is feeling very insecure. So his porn watching could be a sense of insecurity if he's not getting the job done for you in the bedroom. And so he just needs to take a look at other ideas to get you to the big O. Now, some questions that you may have as it relates to sex is, is this normal? All right, never ask if something is normal. Never ask. Is my relationship normal? Never ask, is engaging in this sexual activity normal? Because what is normal? I mean, you don't want to compare yourself, your relationship, and your sexual desire to what you believe is and isn't normal. The only thing that matters about your relationship and your sex life is, do you enjoy it? Does it bring you happiness? And does it bring you sexual gratification? All right, now, for those of you dating, you might be wondering, how long should I wait to have sex with someone new? There is no standard time frame. It's whenever you feel ready, whenever you feel 
the desire to jump into bed with somebody new after one relationship ends. That's how long you should wait. You know, don't jump in, you know, if you're not ready or you don't feel, you know, the desire. But don't hold back because you're thinking, oh, this is too soon. You know, is it the third date rule or, you know, whatever. No, there is no standard rule. It's when you're ready, you're ready. Now, as a relationship goes on, some of you may be wondering, why are we having less sex and less frequency of sex now that we're married? Well, this could be an issue here where there could be some psychological effects, but it could also be part of the whole, as you've been in a relationship for a while, you know, your focus does tend to broaden. You know, in the honeymoon phase where your focus is solely on each other and building that deep connection and bond, you know, it starts to expand between, you know, the right now versus Here's the future that we need to build. And therefore, here's how we are going to get there. And I need to focus or put some of my focus on all of that, you know, as well. And that can lead a guy feeling, you know, uh, stressed. It can lead him feeling, you know, drained, you know, physically, you know, being tired a lot more. And so, you know, sex becomes less and less on his mind. Plus, as a guy gets older, his sex drive will naturally decrease. Do you really want him to stay as horny as a teenager your entire married life? My God, I mean, you would almost get nothing else done in your life. And think about how many kids that would end up uh, leaving you. And it could be an issue of, you know, work and dealing with the kids and cleaning. And there could be a lot of things uh, that is going on. Now, some people want to get into the psychological effect that now that he knows that you are his and that the protection of his passing on the DNA is secured, there's less of a desire instinctually to do that. Whether I buy into that biological or you know psychological examination, I don't really believe so. But, you know, it's just one of those things where as time goes on, things and life just kind of get in the way. And so you got to be more intentional and deliberate with your sex life all around. Okay, so I think that's going to be it uh, for this particular episode. I will let you know, along with a link, when I start posting videos up to the Sexmancers YouTube channel. There's only one video up there, and it's been there a while ago, and I don't really think I did a whole lot of editing or intentionality with it. I was just wanting to see whether or not a video like that would take off or get organic traffic on YouTube. And so as I go through to post more videos up on the Sexmancers page, it will be more edited uh, for more entertainment. And as I go through and I'm searching out other people on YouTube that tend to talk about sex, and there are some out there uh, that I like and think, hey, they would be good to bring on to the show. So I am starting to reach out to uh, other people, you know, that provide interesting takes on sex and relationship to try and bring them on in order to give us a more diversified uh, view and conversation going. All right. So anyways, I'd like to thank you so much uh, for tuning in and providing your time and attention. Uh, leave me a rating and a review so that other people can easily find this podcast and know whether or not it's the podcast for them. 
Thank you so much, and I will be back again soon.